Welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, episode number 186. My name is Jimmy Lewis. I'm Trevor Hunter. We're with Dirt Bike Test, and today we're doing a semi-pre-recorded, almost live, because you're not watching it live right now, but if you follow our socials, you could be involved in the chat, but what we're going to talk about today, 450 off-road race bikes, and the little racing. Love it. We're not going to talk about it because we don't talk about racing on this show unless we're talking about me and I raced. And you did both. Which is really strange. Actually, it wasn't really racing because I was like riding a few laps stopping. But anyways, we had a Honda Sierra 450 RX, a Kawasaki KX 450X, a Yamaha YZ 450FX, mm -hmm. And of course, a gas gas 450 yeah. EX. Lots of X's in there. Yes. So we call them FX bikes. We should call them just X bikes. No, but then, then I get confused because there's this Honda 450X. Yeah. And then there's two strokes. Yamaha puts an X on them. So we'll just call them FX bikes. And that's what you've been calling them. And I've kind of learned to do the same thing. So uh, today we're going to kind of go over it. If you do, we're going to just start chatting because we have plenty to talk about. But if you have questions about these bikes, if you're watching this on our Zoom, our live thing right now, uh, and you're in the Zoom meeting, you can ask questions. If you are watching this on its Tuesday night on a regular scheduled show and you want to chime in, this is only going to go for about an hour. And then we're actually going to go live. I'll go live in our studio and then I'll field the questions there and maybe we'll have a rooster endo segment and the usual things we do on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. But it's very important to mention that this show is not possible without all of our sponsors. Do you want to read our sponsors, Trevor? Start from the top. We'll go with Yamaha. Yamaha, Blue Crew. Blue Crew. Uh, next up is Taco Moto. Got Scott Sports, Climb, DDC Sprockets, Trail Tech. Fast Company, Z Concepts, Bulletproof Designs, and Double Take Mirrors. And of course, you can always support us by clicking through on our Amazon and Rocky Mountain ATV MC links on Dirt Bike Test. There's a little thing up there. It says Support Dirt Bike Test. You click on that, drop down, and uh, that does really uh, help us out. It puts nickels in Trevor's pocket Why I skim off the extra uh, 95 cents and put it in mine because that's the way that this business works. There's always somebody on top trying to take advantage of you there. Uh, how many of the, how many of our sponsors do you use Trevor? Let's see, I ride Yamaha's fairly frequently. Um, I've used climb gear in the past. I've used some stock goggles before I run DDC sprockets. Yeah. Some of my bikes. So ddcracing.net and uh, tell you one good thing about Nate over at DDC is he's always been behind the off-road community, supports land use efforts. He supports a lot of racers and, and on top of that, super good chain wheels. Just, have you ever worn one out? That's kind of the problem is you go on the website once and then you don't really have to go yeah. back again. I have, I have ones, the very first one he sent me is still on my bike and on one of my KTM 500s and good sprockets. So Fast Company. Yep. I use them quite a bit. Flex Handlebars. Yep. Do you have on your mountain bike yet? That's too much weight. Too much. Oh, you wait till you have these. Just, just <laughs> wrists that are reeling in pain I could, from this weekend. If I could lose some body weight, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but 
it's easier to just pay money and lose weight on the bicycle. I'm not concerned about the weight. I'm just going to enjoy my time on the planet. Spin around and have good handlebars on my mountain bikes and my motorcycles. Of course, do some seat concept stuff. Yep. Lots yep. of bulletproof designs. Yep. No double take mirrors yet. Uh, maybe one day I'll get to that a dual sport segment. But. Dude, your 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 XT two twenty five project is it could use some double is take in mirrors. dire need of double take yeah. mirrors. So uh, super super Sano. I you know what I use my double take mirror for? Shaving the back of my head. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I take it. It's like it's like you know the beauty mirror, but I use a double take. So to purpose. Anyways, um, we're gonna get right on with the show here. Our uh, our biggest thing is man i'll tell you what so after riding those bikes we went and did a little quick little photo shoot up in the hills kind of it would resemble kind of horrible trail riding because <laughs> yes. the rain ruts and all that yeah. stuff like that it was it was kind of a task to find places to you know shoot photos but i rode all the bikes and usually right away i get pretty opinionated and i can pick and choose and and we swap bikes just to do photos i was kind of blown away that there wasn't anything that stood out as being really good. And there wasn't anything that was nearly as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. And for sure, I went in with certain biases. I thought, oh, this bike's probably going to be good at this and that. And it all kind of was just sort of wiped away because it seems like in the last few years, the manufacturers making these type of bikes, these kind of 450 off-road race bikes, have figured out how to get rid of their weak their weak spots, their weaknesses, they've, they patched them up. Um, and just whether it's the bikes and the chassis getting a little bit better, the, the, just the engine tuning, different things. But I was pretty blown away that I didn't have, like, it didn't, they didn't seem like what I thought they were going to be. And, you know, you put them all back to stock. They were all basically box stock. We had brand new Dunlop tires on them. Yeah. Uh, we had the, which, what was the front, front and rear combo? Uh, MX 33 front and AT one rear. Right. So they're all on the same, uh, same tire setups. And those are, that's stock on all the bikes, uh, except for the Honda, Honda, Honda and Kawasaki come with 81 fronts. Okay. And then, uh, Yamaha and, the and the gas gas come with 33 fronts. Okay. And that does make a little bit of a difference, yeah. but like kind of in shootout fashion, we didn't want to run worn out tires. So we went all with the same, it's just kind of easier. And that way you can sort of take some of the traction stuff yes. out and, yeah. Personally, I think that's an improvement. And personally, I would have kind of wanted to get go away from the eighty-one rear and go to yeah go to maybe a, maybe a different rear. Yeah. But if you're talking about durability, yeah, you're not going to beat the the AT eighty-one. Yeah. So and it's um, consistent. So correct. The board, so. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't get picky about certain things. So yeah. Uh, right away, stock bikes, stock clicker settings. Yeah. And then we just set the ride height because then the day that we rode it, we were riding around Saturday and we had four fat guys. Yep. Sorry, all the other guys. <laughs> um, I think I was the light guy, actually. And you, you were Jeff. Probably you were probably the lightest guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, cranking in at like 193, 194. Although I have to tell you, our scale said I was 197, which is not bad for me. It's really bad for all the bikes because <laughs> we, we weighed them, filled all the tanks up. Yeah. And we weighed them. You got those numbers? I do. So, and the, 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 the scale doesn't lie, but the brochures do, cause they don't often weigh them with gas in there. 
And so you can go ahead and rip those off. I, mean, I don't even know. I, I read, I, I yelled off the numbers, but we were doing front and rear. And so I don't really even know, but I'm just going to kind of guess off the top of my head based on, based on what I felt. And I'm going to say that the, the Hondas used to be really light, but I know they've gained weight in the, in the past. And the, I'm going to say the lightest bike was the gas gas. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and it feels, it definitely feels like it when you're riding it. Uh, second, I'm going to go with, it's, it's not going to be the Kawasaki. I want to say that is the Kawasaki the heaviest. Nope. It isn't. Nope. That's Yamaha's the heaviest. Yep. Yamaha's the heaviest. That's surprising. Yeah. That's probably the biggest. Doesn't feel the heaviest. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it almost feels the lightest yeah. in reality, but I knew it was heavy. And then, so the, so the, so the Honda's second lightest. Nope. Nope. It's Kawasaki. Kawasaki. Wow. It does and, have a small tank on there though. So that kind of. Right. And the Honda has a big tank. Yeah. Yeah. And that does affect it. That, yeah. I mean, that, that ga- extra of, gas. Yeah. yeah. Is what's the Honda? The tank is. It's 2.2. Then the Kawasaki is like 1.6. I want to say. Right. So that's a few pounds. That kind of bridges that gap a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. At least. That would, that would kind of make them a little bit more similar. Yeah. But you, you, when you, when you're riding them, I, you know, it's like the gas gas definitely, like I said, feels, I would say, I would say riding the bikes, Yamaha feels lightest, gas gas, second lightest, then the Honda, then the Kawasaki. Yeah, for sure. And just, just kind of weight feel. And people say, oh, that's, that's horrible. You know, the, the weight of the bike. And it's like, mm, weight can be your friend. Right. Weight can be your friend. Yeah. It, it adds kind of adds stability and a yeah. certain amount of planted. And so I, I think we're, at, I think we're at the point, you know, they were really, they, and I mean, Honda added weight to their bike and the motocross bikes. They had super light bikes and actually started letting the weight come up. And whether, you know, people will say, oh, it's just cost, you know, it costs, light costs a lot yeah. of money yeah. and they could, they could make it a little heavier. But at the same time, I don't think it has that much of an adverse effect. We're kind of at this happy, happy place. I mean, if they had a lot of money, they'd get rid of some unsprung weight and lighten up some spinning parts, yeah. but that's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think for most guys, the, the weight, the, the actual scale weight is that big of a deal. And just going that the Yamaha's, you know, so heavy on the scale, but yeah. so light feeling when you're riding it. And we're not just saying that because we're sponsored by Yamaha. No. <laughs> it was, it was here, okay, here, here's the other interesting breaking news. Uh, on the first day of riding, so we went out trail riding, and then we came back, and Glen Helen had its motocross track open for practice. And so we started riding the bikes around, switching the bikes around there just to mostly get a feel for how we want to do, to do setups um, in the thing. Is anybody trying to join the, uh, yeah, Jeff is trying to Jeff join. join in. I'll tell him, I haven't seen him pop up here and we'll see how it, see how it goes. But when you, when, when you, so, so to, I wanted to ride the bikes kind of, all around and do you pop up? Oh yeah. Let's let him join. He's in the waiting room. We got to fix this. Uh, when you're, when you're riding around the track, I was just kind of thinking, Hey, what's the best way to, um, you know, the directions of change you want to, or, or do I like it? I don't want to change it. And it was interesting with our guys, everybody else comes from competition bike background. Yeah. They're, they're riding race, race bikes, motocross bikes that are set up for off road. They're riding these type of FX bikes. And they all felt the forks were soft. Yep. And I'm the only guy sitting here complaining, oh, these forks are kind of stiff, you know. And it was just sort of what I was used to. 
but I got, you know, got comfortable with it really quick. And then, hey, Jeff, we're going to we're going to have you in here and uh, feel free to chime in. Uh, I think your I think the audio will be up loud enough. Uh, can you you can hear us? OK, right. Oh, we don't want the echo. He's which phone? Where is he going to come out of? Should we come out of yours? Yeah. Mine's muted. So, Jeff, say hi to everybody. I'm, I'm not muted. Is is that? <laughs> I can't hear him. Is he talking? Let me set, set my volume up. This is how we do things. We try to do things. We try to innovate on this show. Let's see. Mike's all the way up. There we go. Oh. He's not muted. He's unmuted, from what I can tell. Yeah. His, his, his video keeps turning on and off. Yeah. Jeff, say hi. Plug in. <laughs> oh, well. We'll let him figure it out. You'll When you get a really loud screech. He can't hear us. On the feet. Oh, you can't hear us? I wonder why. Maybe because. You can hear him. Listen to this awesome sound quality on tonight's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Brought to you by Yamaha. Can you hear me? I can't hear you guys at all. Okay, we can hear you now. So Trevor's going to fix our problem. Can you, you guys hear me at all? We can hear you just perfect. And so now I'm going to adjust this microphone over. You. Oh, you can't hear us. That's on your end. I'm 99% sure that's on your end. Does that work there? You know, we can actually edit this out, but there's no way we're going to take the time that's to do that. Too much. We're not that <laughs> You don't get paid enough. We have professionals for that. So when he figures out how he can hear us, then we'll be in better shape. But this is like me. It's like, he's just like me on the other side of the Todd computer. As well. Okay. I'm going to let Todd in really quick. And uh, there we go. Admit Todd. So if I unmute my phone, he can hear us. Okay. But then, then we get echo. So I can, I can mute mine. Okay. Hey, this is what, this is what COVID was like for everybody. Can you hear us now? There we go. Okay. And we can hear you, but we need to make him loud enough so that he gets on the show. Can you hear us, Todd, Jeff? I can hear you guys. That sounds good. So uh, make sure that we're going to make sure that the show can hear you because we're checking audio levels right now. We're like uh, sound engineers (laughs) that talk about dirt bikes. Doing real good. <laughs> good. Look, it works. It does. Yeah, we're we're in business. Tech Talk Taco Tuesday back in business uh, tonight on Monday. So, hey guys, thanks for uh, joining in. And like I said, feel free to chime in. We've already, you know, given everybody everything they need to know. So you're late. <laughs> <laughs> the Yamaha is the best, obviously. Yeah, this show is sponsored and brought to you by Yamaha. Yes. So just you know, you know how I am. Hold your hold your negative comments, <laughs> or I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> now we 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 were talking. We talked about the weight. So so which uh, Jeff? Did you hear us? Did you do you know which one the heaviest was? Uh, I thought. Let me think about it for a second. I was the Yamaha was the heaviest. So you so you saw the did you see the numbers? Uh, Trevor showed them briefly to me in the beginning, and to be honest, that was days ago, so it went right out the brain. You know what I mean? But I kind of thought the Yamaha was, and then I thought the, the gas cast was towards maybe second to last. It was it was it was the lightest. But when you're riding around the track, which is the lightest bike? 
feel like the, the Cowie had one of the lightest feelings. Let's see. <laughs> and, and here's here's where here's this is the interesting thing about like sh- you know shootouts, comparisons, and stuff like that. Everybody gets an opinion. And everybody has a different idea of what they feel. Mm-hmm. And like both Trevor and I kind of were of the thing that the Kawasaki kind of feels the heaviest on the track. And then and then I, I'm kind of the Yamaha and the gas gas tie for the lightest feeling on the track. And it, it, and it I think a lot of it depends on how you ride. Yeah. Like if you if you're kind of rough on the throttle, like herky jerky on the throttle, especially with the Yamaha on the stock map, that bike can get heavy. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of, it kind of, you know, shows you that's a little bit, a little bit heavier, but uh, does that make, that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Todd, he's in here. Um, right. And if you, like I said, if you, I, I think what we're going to do is if you have questions, go ahead and use the chat. If you want to type in, type in a question. And then uh, we can monitor on your monitor on your thing upside down though. Upside down. We have to read it upside down because we, we don't need to see our things here. We've just got to, uh, yeah. what do we have to do? We have to, Oh, my thing wants to do airplane. Brent. Brent, Brent joined in. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I'll let Brent in too. This is my first zoom call ever. So I'm, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> It's mo- motorcycle view. Brent, now Brent's got to be a professional. Oh, I think he's on Zoom call number what? Five or ten today? Yeah. <laughs> Look at his backgrounds all nice. Oh, he knows how to do the, Like Ricky Brabeck talking yeah. me how to blur out the background. Yeah. yeah, we started trying to make better and better backgrounds <laughs> for the show. But so, um, so those those of that are... Those of you that are new to this, this is, uh, this is the show where we talk about motorcycle, motorcycle-related products. Tonight, we were talking about the 450FX bikes. Uh, Brett, did you see the scale weights of the bikes? Uh, I do not. Good. This, this is a perfect. Which was on the scale? Which was the heaviest bike? Uh, Based on probably the Kawasaki. See? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Guess. Guess what, Jeff? You're you're out. <laughs> you're fired. You're, you're gonna get. You're you're gonna get canceled now. Now and okay. Based on what you felt on the track, which was the lightest bike? Gas, gas for sure. Okay, yeah, interesting. So that that, that is so so the so the the heaviest is actually the Yamaha, and then the lightest is the gas, gas by what? Probably four pounds, five pounds. Uh, the gas, gas was like five or six pounds. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, you wanna do you wanna read off those weights? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, now that we've kind of given up the. You know, the ghost. So gas, gas that comes in the lightest at 242 pounds. The Kawasaki is second at 247. The Honda is third at 250.5. And the Yamaha is fourth at 254.5. Wow. And then just for comparison, we also weighed a Yamaha WR yep. uh, 450, which was 262 pounds. Yep which kind of shows you, you know, the difference between adding those lights and all that stuff like that. And then most of the motocross bikes are in the two thirty somethings, you know, they're, they're just a little bit lighter. So, I mean, the stuff they, the FX bikes don't have a whole lot of extra stuff on them, but um, anyways, okay. Uh, Where should we go to? Everybody wants to know which is the fastest. Okay. Starting with Jeff. I mean, the Yamaha to me had the biggest motor of a pull, you know, to get you around by all means. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, obviously we didn't get to ride it very top endish, but it did seem to flatten out a little bit towards the top. Yep. Where like I think that was one thing with the Honda and even the gas gas. Like I felt the gas gas was smooth and just kind of pulled that same thing all the way up into the high revs. Where the I feel like the Yamaha flattened out. Yeah, I can I can see I. I don't think it flattens out. I just think it revs through the top power a little quick. And, uh, yeah. Brett, most powerful. I I would definitely say the Yamaha. I mean, it may blow through the top a little bit, but it gets there so hard and so fast. If you're drag racing, I got to believe that thing's going to win most of the time. Yeah, it's it's the it's the most lively. It's the most like two fifty F esque in the in the throttle response and how how quick it is. Now, like kind of saying like which is the most powerful and stuff. I I kind of think, and it was sort of confirmed just by where I had to get on my brakes. I felt like the Honda was the was the the most powerful. Like it just it it seems like it was really, um, I mean, kind of it, it was kind of like mediocre but it pulled so good up, up hard and and i'm really careful about when i start talking about top power i make sure that i'm you know throttles wide open and it's pretty near peak rpm yeah i, I you know when, when i when i start talking about top where a lot of times and this is where the yamaha really shines if you're doing more opening the throttle up and and you know pulling it's so responsive that makes it feel like it's you know top top there yeah um, gas gas for me was just super, I call it traditional four stroke, almost like low power in the beginning, but really smooth, never really revs all that fast, but it, it wasn't slow. No, I, I don't think any of these bikes are slow. And then the Kawasaki is almost exactly the same with maybe for me too much. Like when it goes from transitions from mid to top, I, I had the wheel light up a couple of times that I just didn't expect it to, to light up and and, and and I'll talk about some of the changes I made and why I made them in a little bit, but were you kind of in line with that? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, the one thing like the Honda, I felt like it revved out pretty quick and you kind of ran through the gears really quick as well. Like the Kawasaki and the gas gas, more like a second and the Yamaha as well, more like a second, third gear, fourth gear kind of bike. Whereas right. like the Honda, you're just like, it's always in third, fourth and fifth. And like that back straightaway on the on the SRA GP, um, I was in fifth, and like kind of rubbed out before you even leave the REM track almost. It's <laughs> like the the Yamaha and the gas gas a little bit. You like barely hit the rev limiter. And that was on that was on Sunday. On Sunday. So the interesting thing is, most of the day I think the Honda was in map three. In, in the in the on Saturday okay. on the aggressive day, you know, and then, so that's the aggressive map, and um, and. I ended up racing it in the stock map. That was one of the switches, the changes I made to the Honda. And it felt like for me, it felt like it, it, it was too much in that aggressive map. Yeah. So maybe in, and, and I, I think you're, you're riding it the same way I did. Yeah. Where, uh, but I was, I, I felt like, and maybe it's just that I'm heavier and, you know, I got it to hook up better and stuff. And I can see where if any of these bikes, if they get light and unweight them, they'll, they'll spin up. And I mean, just nature of the nature of the beast. So I think that's where, that's where the, Kawasaki and the gas gas are a little more, I don't know, maybe forgiving might be a way of saying, I mean, they're still fast as, as hell, but they don't punish you quite as much. If you just get a little bit, uh, I don't know, lose a little of your finesse and your throttle hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can get away with a little bit more on those bikes. 
I, I maybe maybe totally easier on you. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny because some people say that's like a that's like a not you know like oh it's better for the novice or something like. None of these bikes are <laughs> great, great for a real novice because, <laughs> you, you know, you know, all you want to do is just twist these things. That's why I get a 450 yes. and they're all, they're all, you know, just, just, they, they've got some boost and, and everyone, even, and, and, but I think, you know, as far as responsiveness, throttle responsiveness, I would say Yamaha, Honda, yeah. Kawasaki, Gas Gas. Yeah. I almost, I, when, when I switched between, I went from. I think it was the Yamaha to the Gas Gas. I like literally. I I when when I I like. I thought it was like, well, go, you, you know. It was, like, yeah. it was it was like it was like get up and go, and then you just realize, oh, this thing just doesn't have that kind of throttle response. And then, but vice versa. One of the things I switched on the Yamaha for Sunday was we put my map, uh, the smooth map, in the number one map, which is really important because I guess you switched it on Saturday and you put yeah. it in the number two. And for me, it kind of kind of counteracts it. It kind of puts it back more to a stock. So so, anyways, we have a, a really good call it a smooth map, but in, in reality, if you look at the numbers, it's actually quite a bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of fills in that little gap at the bottom. So on the bottom, it's actually more choppy. But I find myself riding a gear high, which is kind of hard to do on that bike because it is a wider ratio gearbox. Yeah. And then it mellows the, the the revs at the top, so it makes the top. Uh, for me, more like what the gas gas is doing in essence is kind of being smooth. That is, I mean, uh, again, Yamaha sponsored the show, uh, <laughs> but that power tuner app is like getting, let's see, five, six, seven cams, yeah, 22 different pipes with inserts, different inserts, uh, five different throttle bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all I, all you- in one of these phones, actually, both of our phones have it. Yeah. I think we changed it because I changed it for, uh, I think Todd was on the bike. Maybe he can elaborate a little bit, but like just putting, like we put the magic map in on map one. Um, and that kind of like transformed the bike for him. Yeah. That map, that map was excellent for me. And, and I hate that map. <laughs> and it, 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 like it's I said, it, right? <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing to get. I mean, it's just like, it, yeah. it's just, and it's just like where you, where you like to, 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 to where you think the power should come on, how far you turn it when you twist the throttle. You know, a lot of people talk about putting like different throttle cams in and different things like that. And that's the mapping does a lot of that stuff. And that's what's so cool. Kawasaki has couplers you can switch. The Kawasaki, I switched to the aggressive coupler because I like smooth power. <laughs> so what do I do? I go to aggressive. I go to the most aggressive maps. Usually I can get the Honda is the only exception. I go to the most aggressive map I can get. And I just start riding at a gear high. And, and so... It ends up working. If I could add, if I could add something, yep. I think I think one, for anybody out there that hasn't played with maps on their bike, do yourself a favor and play with the maps. Yeah, yeah. it's dramatic, and you're, you're 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 missing out on what your bike is capable of yeah. and by, by playing with the stuff. It's it's amazing, really. Yeah. Like what you can do with a modern four hundred and fifty. Yeah, just and with map. Any any bike that allows you to you know do it, however you're able to do it. Absolutely, and, absolutely, and and uh, and I'll tell you just from my experience is the manufacturers, especially for drivability and rideability, do do a much better job, maybe too good of a job sometimes, and that's why people are always jumping into these aftermarket ECUs that a lot of times tend to be tuned on the dyno, and they make really good power on the dyno, 
And, but like they sometimes they kind of forget about like the, you know, trailing throttle or, mm-hmm. or, or smooth. And that's where, I mean, like I said, the Yamaha power tuner app is so nice to be able to change. But all of, you know, like I said, the gas gas was the only one that suffered from this. Yep. I, I really wanted to have an aggressive. Yeah. Map to kind of see. I think you can unplug a plug in the gas gas. There's a, there's a plug under the under the tank that you can unplug to change it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can switch, and you can buy the the switch. There's a switch you can just Correct. buy there's and a plug in. That you can add, which is on the KTM and the Husky already. Correct. But underneath the tank, I think that you can plug or unplug something to change the map. Yeah, there's there's a way you can. Like I said, there's a way you can do it without a switch. But literally, yeah. sometimes I just want to have a. I want to have a switch so yeah, I can try it. If you're testing it, the switch, the handlebar switch is nice. It's just a cost thing for the gas gas, obviously. Yeah. I mean, cause, cause once you kind of settle on it, then you don't need the switch anymore unless you know. there there's, there's times like, I don't know. Sometimes I want my bike to haul ass. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've worked yeah. with manufacturers before when they're developing these maps and like, I'm like, this is America. We want one that's not very practical, but we want it to rip <laughs> our arms out of our sockets, please. Yeah. It, it, well, it's like a, so they should call it a sand track map. Yeah. Really? Well, right. Yamaha has one that's, I think they have a, that's yeah. the same about the Yamaha too. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, and you just bought it, they show, they have you like preload three maps. And I think one was called, was it one called sand or it was back in the day? I don't know if it still is now. Yeah, they have, they have, they always have a smooth, a hard track, smooth, slick, and then they have an aggressive. Yeah. And, and, okay. and it's, you know, you can see what they are and you can see what they do to get these maps. And then you can kind of mm-hmm. fine tune it. It's like, hey, this one hits a little bit hard. You can take, you know, one or two off of some numbers and all these things. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of a cool thing. And and then I want to get into suspension now. But my all of my suspension complaints. Remember, like all you guys are all the same, and I'm the weird guy out mm-hmm. in suspension. So don't feel bad when I <laughs> tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I did ride a Husenberg six fifty. By the way. Trevor wrote it. I did. Trevor, Trevor has some experience. Actually, I got to ring the bell. Okay. Uh, but the, the, so we were talking earlier about the suspension. I was the only one that kind of felt like they were a little stiff in the beginning. And everybody else said, well, they're too soft. And it kind of comes, there's our background. You know, I'm not racing a whole lot, not riding motocross bikes a whole lot lately, especially. And so I'm coming okay. off of, EXCs and 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 mushy call them mushy bikes and I learned really quick what what I was doing was I was sitting in the middle of the seat going into the turns and I couldn't get any of these bikes to turn and then just because I do this a lot switch a lot of bikes the next day I rode I scooted forward and all of a sudden now they work magically and and we did stick we actually stiffened up the gas gas with some air pressure and that was really the only uh the only suspension change we made between the, the two days, but from being too stiff to perfect based on just me modulating my body. And this is the bikes across the board. Uh, uh, frankly, I'm blown away by all the suspension. It's I think really, really good, especially because I don't think some of these bikes are really designed for, we'll call it Glen Helen no. West coast conditions. No, even like- no, definitely not. I think the majority of them aren't. Yeah. So I rode the Yamaha, me and Jeff, we rode at Kawea the weekend before, um, kind of like our first impression. And there's a lot more tighter trails, nothing high speed or big. And I thought the Yamaha suspension was really, really good there. And then fast forward one week, it's the same bike, same clickers, everything. And wasn't as good. 
for me. Right. And I think, I think I have it figured out, but Brent, what did you, what did you feel about suspension? Well, I felt they were all too soft for me. Being the biggest guy out there, I felt like I was just riding deep into the stroke. And so I was actually getting that, that heart, kind of that harsh feeling you get when a bike's actually soft, you know, kind of the opposite of what you might initially think. And I was feeling, interestingly enough, I felt it probably the most in the Yamaha, especially in the morning when things weren't too rough, that I was just getting a lot of feedback in through the bike. And I just felt like I was riding too deep into the stroke, especially coming into some of the braking bumps. I mean, I was really aware of just how much I was getting into my hands. Then interestingly enough, as the track got rougher, speeds came down maybe a little bit and maybe then I was just blowing, you know, pushing harder through the suspension. Then I stopped feeling that as much, but everything was rougher at that point. But I think, too, I mean, I'm, we didn't even touch a clicker. It didn't adjust, sag, nothing. So I'm riding the bike at, you know, I weigh 225 on, on my best day, probably 230 something on just last weekend. But, but, but you're also, you're also six foot, what, nine, seven? Depends on which day. Yeah, yeah. It's also a variable, yeah, so but. I've got, I'm kind of like an upside down uh, grandfather clock, you know, <laughs> all that weight swinging back and forth. So, yeah. yeah, which, which always means that I'm usually running pretty stiff forks just because when I transfer weight, especially standing in a standing position, I transfer weight, get on the brakes. I put, I'll transfer a lot of weight onto the forks. And so one of the things that I'll notice in a lot of bikes is kind of get, you get that squirminess. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't get a ton of that out of any of these bikes. Most of those that I, when I struggled at all, was just as I'm kind of, as I settle into the turn and then keeping it tracking smoothly without kind of popping me up or standing me up a little bit. I felt a little bit of that. And I think some of that was uh, just, just needing a little bit more hold up. I mean, I, I, I really wanted to go just put 10 more pounds in the, in the gas gas forks just to get it go out and see how that would change it. But it wasn't really the purpose of the day. Yeah. And, and, and the other problem with, with that, I mean, it's, it's like you start bringing up the front end then, you know, especially being a pendulum like you are, you know, if, if you get the front end up, then you lean back and then the back's overly soft and then it's a, you're kind of fighting a battle, but yeah, it's in, and that being said that we set the kind of the standard sag for, you know, all of us 200 pound guys, we kind of got it to where it was doing ride height and we we're, and and Todd could clarify this. We're probably at the limit on those springs. I mean, as far as uh, dependent on the bike, yeah. You know, each each one of them is a little bit different. Um, the Yamaha rear spring is closer, but what their recommended sag is is different actually than what you were setting it at. Right. Because um, they, you know, they they want it. They, things. they they actually want it really tall in the back. Right. They want it high. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Which would accentuate the problems actually. Yeah. Um, that bike it would kind of make it you know worse in the front which is what we all kind of thought was the hold hold up on that bike yep. um so certain things there uh the kawasaki actually has fairly stiff fork springs as well as the honda um just the 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 damping is is less than so the yamaha has a lot of damping and like fork springs and there's there's a lot of trade-off there um you can get away with a lot on the yamaha just because of the amount of damping that it has uh, even with the light springs yeah. where you're not going to get a lot of bottoming. It's not going to blow through. Yeah, and I, it just feels, it feels low, and, you know? Yeah. The, situation. Yeah. The Yamaha just has a suppleness correct, you know, that, that, that allows it, like I said, so 
when you're in those kind of UTV bumps or that kind of chop is stuff it for the most part for me. And I know, I think Brett felt differently also is, is I felt it like doing really good there. But when you start getting these bumps that caused the bike to pitch and then, and then you go past that supple part into the harsh part of the stroke, whether it was front or rear and the bike started, you know, you know, yawing back and forth, that's where it wasn't really that happy. Where, where some of the other bikes, they didn't care nearly as much. Exactly. It, 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 which it, we kind of cheated on this just because the Yamaha has been the same for a few years. And, and as far as myself and Trevor, we know that a set of fork springs does wonders yes. for the Yamaha. Like it changes it pretty dramatically. Yeah. Um, and there are certain things that you can do, very small things that you can do for each one of the bikes that will change it pretty dramatically. And the, the Yamaha in particular, a set of fork springs is is a really easy way to make that better, especially for West coast conditions. Yeah. Just to keep the front up a bit. Yeah. And I, and that's why I was, I'm going to say Jones. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah. Coming down there. And, and yeah, when there's, when you go into those braking bumps and stuff like that, that bike was a lot more prone to like, you know, kind of get in and then cause the back end to buck a little bit where, exactly. you know, the, the Kawasaki kind of didn't care. <laughs> so, so again, light feeling bike that kind of has this twitch heavier acting bike that just kind of plows through a little bit of stuff. So, uh, Jeff, any, any thoughts on the suspension? Hey, you know, it was, it was kind of neat to see it all. You know, like I said, we were all doing it at a stock level. Um, so for me, that was really cool because talking about like, at the bottom of the hill, you know, as the day went on and how rough that got, those braking bumps got, I purposely tried to keep that same speed on each bike in the same line to see, you know, how it would react and what it did. And I was quite surprised on how the the front fork felt on the Cowie. To me, it felt like that thing just did not absorb it as well as I think like any other bikes. For me, the, the Honda absorbed everything a little bit better, less feedback with the back end coming up on me. But I tried to keep my body position the same, just trying to mimic it, you know what I mean, time after time. And for me, just that Honda, the way it was balanced, like I said, my weight, my ability, whatever, however I was riding it. But it just really stayed the same, more neutral for me, less feedback coming through those bumps. I mean, obviously before Todd would touch it for me or do something, you know, but as a stock setup, I was pleasantly surprised to see the little bit of difference between all of them. But even the gas gas for me, I mean, yeah, the air was, you know, probably a little light, but it did, it attracted, I thought pretty well too, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of surprised with the Cowie. I thought it, I didn't realize the difference. And like I said, I'm not a suspension guy. I, I go to Todd for that, but um, you know, just the, the feedback and the valving and spring rate, whatever the way that chassis set up, but I kind of thought it would handle it a little bit better than it did. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of amazing. So on Saturday, the Honda just overall just worked really well for me. And, and the same thing when we were riding around on the trails, the Honda was a little bit dancey and a little, little kind of, kind of, kind of too stiff. And then the very first time I rode it around the track in the, in the earlier part, when it wasn't as kind of rough, there weren't the holes, but there was the kickers. The Honda was a little bit, eh, I don't know about, I don't know about this. It's, it's like, I was just a whole, too stiff everywhere. But then as the track kind of developed in and got those bumps, it started working magically. And, and I was like, this is the, the, the 450 R I remembered from a couple yeah. of years ago when I, when like I was the only journalist to say this thing's really good. Everybody else is like complaining because the forks were too soft. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that seemed to be the common theme just hearing you guys talk and with myself as well as like the Honda seemed to be like the stiffest yet most balanced 
of all the bikes, uh, at least for Saturday. Uh, like some of the some of the bikes had like soft front end and soft rear end, whereas the Honda was more balanced front to rear, but yeah. also the stiffest, which because a lot of guys were thinking everything's too soft. Yeah, it, it, what, you know, what do yeah. you think when? What did you think compared Saturday to Sunday? I mean, I know personally, I've I've ridden tons of bikes, thought I had them just right, and then I go race them, and I learn a whole bunch more. <laughs> so, just curious of what you guys thought once you once you wound up on a bike that you felt like was right or, or wrong. And then in the race conditions where you're having to charge through some of those square edge holes and some of the stuff you might just kind of maybe not put a hundred percent into just because it's not that much fun. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't think that like this, this track sections of track that we used were the same, you know, both days, they were kind of the same after the first race. It wasn't like the track was that much different, but what really just the little tiny changes I made. And most of the changes, like I said, except for the gas gas fork, which I kind of, I kind of did just because I know with that fork, I've always liked, you know, three to five pounds more than whatever uh, they recommend because I'm a little bit heavier and just, that's just been kind of a standard thing all the way. So I said, yeah, I think that's the right direction. And I wanted to at least make a, some kind of a suspension change on a bike to see whatever difference it made. But the biggest difference was in the engine characters and and because I I kind of used the, the the engine a little bit to because I know what this you know I know what the suspension is going to do I can kind of use it to kind of get me through the bumps and stuff so so I I don't think much changed in how I was riding or you know I kind of I kind of go the same speed uh, no matter what I'm not I don't like push it because I'm, I'm racing I kind of try to push it a little bit when I'm you know testing the bikes because that's what that's when you feel things. But uh, it, yeah, it, it, I don't think much changed except on Sunday, the Yamaha was the Yamaha for me because I fixed the motor. The suspension got way better, and the 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 chassis felt more nimble. It didn't feel as as you know, even though it, it's light, it it just got lighter without being twitchy. Um, the Honda kind of the Honda did everything well. It just wasn't as comfortable as some of the other bikes. Yeah. And and that was probably the only bad thing I can say about it. The Kawasaki was the just the bike that didn't care, and 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 it, it like I said I I hyped up the motor a little bit with that that curve, it just everything on it worked great. Uh, it it didn't do anything bad, and it didn't do anything you know like stellar except for it was like really stable and really planted. Yes. And, and that was it. And then the gas gas was kind of the same thing where it didn't do anything bad and it didn't do anything great. It was just kind of, and so I raced all these bikes and I never, I, I didn't feel like I was going any faster on one of them as opposed to another. And I don't, like I said, I don't think anything changed. We had some, you know, we had some high speed straightaways where I hit the rev limiter on the Honda, the Kawasaki and the gas gas. The Yamaha was the only one that I still had more. There was more speed to come, yeah. but you know, it was, you know, it has a little wide ratio there, which kind of helped. It was, it was an advantage in certain spots. And then like, you know, the one time I dropped it in a first gear on accident yeah. and I almost went over the, you know, got thrown over the handlebars. I'm like, whoa, that's a, that's a low first gear where you can, yeah. you know, you're actually going down to, don't mean to, but I did on purpose go to first gear and the other bikes, it's kind of usable on the track, but yeah, suspension wise, I don't think anything really, anything really changed. And it blew me away by, you know, like I said, how good they all are for just being stock and, and not having to change it. 
but then how much they're interconnected with the the chassis and you know the engine can can kind of affect all that stuff and i i would think that i would hope that most riders would actually take the time to play with the clickers and stuff more because any little kind of thing like the honda the honda's the only one i struggle with because i know what the clickers do from riding them so much i don't know if i could get the comfort without causing some other issues yeah on that i think they're kind of at the limit of the comfort where the Yamaha, I definitely know I could click it around and get better, but I just didn't want to start chasing it because it was good. Gas, gas, same thing. They are in the forks. Didn't want to chase anything. And the Kawasaki, frankly, it was like, I probably could have gone a little bit stiffer on all the clicks and it might've made me happier, held it up just a little bit more. But that's sort of what, that's what I felt in the next day. So Todd, how do they compare to your new, KTM. Uh, well, I had a first on Sunday that I've never had in my life. It was somebody passed me on three different motorcycles in the span of a half an hour during a race. <laughs> Which oh, I've good. never experienced before, so that was really good. I, I'm glad. First times are always good. Sometimes, <laughs> bad, sometimes they're good. So we, this one was bad, but you know, it's, it's all it's all life experiences. So <laughs> hey, don't worry, we got video. You saw me off in a couple turns. Trevor saw it. You did. <laughs> it was it was, it was, it was a good time. I, I wish I would have had the energy to ride them on Sunday because I really think that Sunday is their intended purpose. Really, I mean, they're supposed to be off road race bikes, and you know, obviously, I was racing my own bike and. I did two classes and all that stuff. And, and by the end of it, like I just, I was done. I couldn't ride anymore, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, it, the, the fact that being able to ride them on Sunday, I think would have really been the acid test. Um, the track was, was short. It was, it was the first hot day of the year. And if you've ever been to an SRA, they set up really rough, a lot of square edge bumps and it's, it's really aggressive as far as, suspension and, and handling and if, if your bike works at an FRA race during the summer you can pretty much go anywhere yeah, so yeah. that's always what i use as a test bed and uh it was good that you guys got to ride them on sunday i think uh to really kind of see what they're really about yeah it was um, i think really good it was awesome sra i mean i've i've i i have not been to an sra and we're trying to think of it, it might have been 10 12 years i haven't raced one and they're so fun Super fun. fun. I, I still like people yeah. say I want to get into racing or something. I just go, go to an SRA. Yeah. Exactly. Just a fun exactly. course. Yeah. Super laid back, just super laid back yeah. attitude. You know, I mean, there's, you got some fast guys, you got some really slow guys, you got guys riding vintage bike. There's a guy that was riding around and he, his pants were falling off and he gave me a butt crack <laughs> like <laughs> twice. Cause I, pat, cause Side he, note, I, 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 do you remember I was behind you? You're riding a Kawasaki, I think, and you almost killed a little kid. <laughs> oh, you mean the kid that was trying to ride his mini bike across the course? And I yelled at him. Yeah. I pulled yeah. up next. Yeah. yeah, I yelled at him, and then when that happened. Yeah, and then I, and then I went to the next turn and tried to clean out our video guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you don't. You don't want to mess with me on a track. I get kind of mean. I, I'm happy when I'm done with it, but that's why I don't like to race. <laughs> so shoot. Well, you didn't run into me, so that's good. You passed me three times in three different bikes that didn't actually make contact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was, I wasn't really racing. I was just trying to feel. I, I needed to put the bike in a race-like environment. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was a good thing. So, Trevor, what'd you think? Oh man, dude, you should have seen the whole shot he pulled in the 450 Pro Class, which he won, by the way. I won. Yeah, and Trevor won the 450 Pro Class, but unlike me. Oh, 
Yeah, unlike me, like I, I, you know, took off with all these guys, and I, I was switching the bikes. I stayed in third place. In, I stayed in my race. I stayed in first place. Yeah, but there was only one guy in your class. I took him out in the first turn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> got rid of that real quick. <laughs> It's always a good plan. Yeah, that worked out. Competition as early as possible. <laughs> yeah. What did you ride, Trevor? What was that? Which bike did you ride? You rode oh, every oh. one of them. I switched at the end of every lap. I'd switch bikes. Oh, even in the pro race, you did that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there was nobody else left in his class. Start on. Yeah. Uh, started on the Kawasaki. Massive hole shot. Yeah. I missed the shift. It would have been bigger, but I couldn't <laughs> yeah. get the shift. Right. Massive hole shot and then shut the, slam the door in front of the pro pack and they all, and all those bikes flying and people cartwheeling and, and Trevor just rode away like nothing happened. <laughs> Looks like they're okay. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, back to the bikes. For myself, especially for just how rough it got, because it's such a short lap time and how many people were there. Um, Quiet Freak is a little dangerous, I felt, just with how soft the bikes are. And knowing, because I've been riding the Kawasaki and the Yamaha quite a bit, like set up with my suspension stuff, knowing what those bikes can handle, um, and then going back to stock, is a little, just, they're all much too soft for kind of what I'm used to and what I want. Yeah. And so I kind of really had to check up and just couldn't ride as aggressive and as fast as I would have liked to. Uh, but never more dangerous, it's just I couldn't, Ride to what I what I'm used to riding. Yeah, yes. that's why you're going so slow around the yeah. turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not not talking about the bumps. I got to go back to my personal bike, which was, yeah. I think I'm the only one that did that. So, so what? So what? What? What did you like? Stock just, just stock bikes. Trevor just, said, just basically what Trevor just said is my my personal bike is much firmer. Yeah, and yeah. I just felt safer making a mistake. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, where I could just over jump something or, or, you know, maybe, you know, charge into something and, and miss a little bit and not worry about bottoming out and having to deal with that. Um, and it's typical of the XC bikes for me over the years. It's, uh, the, the motocross bikes t- tend to be too stiff and the XC bikes tend to be too soft and I tend to end up somewhere in the middle, you know? So, and that's exactly what I felt when I jumped back on my bike. Yeah. And Todd does all my suspension. So he kind of knows what I like in comparison to what these stock bikes are yeah. set up as, but yeah, I tend to run much stiffer than these stock off more, say probably closer to our motocross setting than a true off-road setting. I would think. And, and, and I really think that, you know, they're trying to set up bikes that are going to work in the woods with yes. roots and, yeah. and, and, and a ch- bumps and, and rocks. Like, you know, that there was that one section going back in the, in the, in the gully and stuff that was just kind of all, I don't know how, if, I think it kind of polished itself off. It wasn't all kind of just loose rocks, but in our morning races, Todd, you remember this, it was all, those yeah. rocks were all kind of loose and stuff. And yep. that's where those bikes work really, really good. If yep. you know, for me, and cause I'm, cause I'm used to it being like softer and, and going through, it's like, you don't, you don't feel the rocks that much. And, yeah, I, I think you passed me there as well. Because <laughs> I was on a nice mushy bike I and it went. Remember all the all the all the places that this happened, but you know, I think that was one of them. But yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's super. Like I said, um, good. You know, good data test, and like I said, I can't say enough about like the SRA Grand Prix. I I I don't like racing, but I had a lot of fun uh, riding around. I'm going to get some of my buddies to come back out and. Um, that was, that was super good. And, and 
it's amazing. You do, I mean, just that you can take that. Like I can take a stock bike and go ride at that level. I mean, yeah, Gordon Ward used me to wipe his butt with and just ran away, but that's just to be expected these days. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, such a, such, you know, really capable machines. And, and if I had one bike and I had it, I would, like I said, I'd go ride it. I do these little changes, figure it out. And then it's like, and now each one of them, I have like one more level of setting that I would, that I would like to do. And I'm not even sure that it's going stiffer on the suspension. Um, even though you, you race guys all want to do this, but I wouldn't know until I tried it. Mm-hmm. And that's a point where I'd, I'd like to kind of spring one up a little bit, but I'm hoping to lose weight and get back down. You know, I, I really, that's why I don't get bigger pants either. I just push on the button because I'm really hoping to go. I don't want to give up and go the other direction. Just as a suspension guy, I want to, I want to say something here. We don't accept desired weights. Okay, so, so look, I get this call all the time. Look, I weigh 250, but over the summer, I'm going to get down to like 185. So, you know, I don't think I need springs. And this happens all the time, Jimmy. So just buy the springs and be done with it. You're fat and that's it. And that's all. So. Yeah, well, I, 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 I have made some pretty valiant efforts. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting back there. The problem is, is like so many pairs of pants to buy. It's like I'm not caring oh, about yeah. no, I have like three sets of pants. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, so anyways, if you're if you're watching this uh, live and you have questions about what we're talking about now, of course, you can put it in the chat and we'll come back to it and get to it. But if if you if you you know have your questions and want to know a little bit more about these bikes in the second hour of the show, we're going to dive in that. I will be around to answer uh, your questions. I'm sure Trevor will as well. If it's not past his bedtime yet, it's at like eight o'clock. It's cutting it close. Cutting it close, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, yeah. So any 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 other things that you guys just like kind of off the top of your head? If there's something that you'd say, hey, I rode all these bikes and I want to tell you this. And so, uh, Brad, I'm going to go with you first. I think the biggest takeaway for me was actually how close each one of these bikes is to being, I mean, just kind of race ready right out of the box. And how, you know, I, I mean, you know, Jimmy, you, I've, I've been riding this type of stuff, you know, from you, with you back in, I don't know, the very Nine, different 90s. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the 90s, early 90s, maybe even late 80s. But, um, uh, I don't think I ever did a, did a test across multiple bikes where I came away thinking that every one of those bikes, while still an individual and unique and has its, its puts and takes, I, there wasn't a bike that we rode that I couldn't absolutely fall in love with, with just by making, you know, just my normal, you know, adjustments. And for me, a lot of that is just kind of the, the you know, adjusting to fit my physical size, <laughs> Putting the low pegs on tall C bars in the forward position, a little taller bars. I mean, I think every one of those bikes I could do that, have Todd do the suspension, and I'd be race ready. And I don't think I can ever really remember a time where I didn't kind of come out of it thinking, you know, hey, three out of those five bikes are great. Two, maybe not. But this one was really one of those groups where there's really a, a there's a bike for everybody. Or and every bike is for 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 everybody. If that makes sense, like you could absolutely take any of these bikes and make it perfect for you. There's not a loser in the bunch. I was really impressed. I there was a 
I, I, there's a couple that I just rid, had ridden some previous generations of those bikes and thought, I don't know if that's something I'm going to really love, but I didn't feel like that. Not at all. Jeff. I was the last yeah. one who was surprised. I really liked the bike that felt the heaviest, which I've never been that guy thinking that, that I really wanted a heavier feeling bike, but <laughs> I really felt comfortable on the Kawasaki. And it's the one that even though on the scales, it may not be the heaviest it, to me, it felt like it had more weight, but I still liked it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with Brian hundred percent. I, I came in at kind of, you know, thinking one way, but, um, for me, I haven't spent a lot of time on the Austrian brands. So I was pretty excited to get on the gas cast. Um, I personally had never rode one you know, besides a KTM here and there, but, um, I, I agree. I think there wasn't a loser in the bunch. I kind of went back to ergonomics of it and just, you know, my height, my weight for me, the Cowie was like, I jumped on it and I felt like I was at home, like, you know, a couple minor little tweaks, but for me, that was a bike that I couldn't believe how comfortable the bike was. Um, and getting back to the weight towards it a little bit. I mean, it felt just so planted in the back, you know, that bike, um, and, and the motor and everything on it. But at the end of the day, I, I agree with Brent. I mean, <laughs> there's not losing the bunch. I think you go to the dealer and there's a certain color you like, or you sit on them and it feels a certain way. You're, you're stoked. I mean, it, it's a great decision on any of those bikes. And Todd. Yeah, I hate to be a homer and just pop out and, like, agree with everybody, but <laughs> all the bikes are really good. Like, and it's sad to say, like, I, I come from an era, and I'm old enough to remember when all the bikes weren't very good um, necessarily, and there was one really standout bike that, you know, and, like, back in the 80s, it was the Hondas and this and that, but you could literally, and I've never had an opportunity to ride all of the bikes on one day like this, and it was pretty shocking to me to, to think that like all of them, I'd be excited to own, like I just to figure it out and, and kind of work on their quirkiness and, and deal with any of the issues that they have. And I think all of them could be a very good race bike given a little bit of time and not a lot of money, to be honest with you, like to, to to compete in the expert class in any age group or, or even in the pro class, you'd be surprised of how little money you'd have to spend. And we've kind of proven that with Trevor and the best of the desert bikes and stuff like that, where you don't really need to do as much as you think you do. These bikes are very good. Um, if you target your modifications based on uh, certain needs, you won't have to spend a bunch of money to have a very competitive motorcycle. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and let Trevor finish this section off, but it's like, so for me, and I would, every one of these bikes that get the, the Jimmy customized mods, I put flex handlebars on all my bikes, fast company sponsor the show, but it's just, that's something I need for my wrists to be able to ride as much as I do. And, and it's a comfort thing. And so anytime I started talking about comfort, like the Honda, mm-hmm. I know how to make it go away. I don't think any of these bikes would, would, I don't think any of these bikes need a steering stabilizer, but I don't think it would hurt any of them. That's something I do on almost all of my bikes. Uh, some of the, you know, the, the quirkiness with like, whether it was the, the, the hydraulic clutch or the cable clutch, some of the stuff I felt there's ways to fix that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to throw a, a, a recluse clutch in my bike and that's because I'm not a very good rider and I'm old. 
Everybody knows this, right? Uh, you know, and, and then I have my tie, you know, my tire picks, but you know, you're wearing tires out. You can change that stuff. There's so many little things you could, you, you can do, but those are the things I would do and I could do them to any of the bikes and they would, they would at the end of the day, at the end of my, you know, adding, eh, it's probably about $2,000 worth of, worth of, worth of Jimmy mods onto it. They'd all be the same bike, you know, just be a different yeah. color and have a different brand name on it. But you would ride it and they would all, I would turn them into the same. It'd have really smooth power, really long pulling power. And yeah, there's, it, and from doing this for a long time too, as well, it, you know, doing these kind of comparisons, there was always like a turd and there was always something that really stood out as a winner. And this group, not the case. Not the case at all. No, I think almost everyone had a different winner and a different last place and different second. Like all four of you guys at the end of the day were like all mixed match. Like there's definitely not one clear winner yeah. um, or last place bike. Yeah, and that's why, that's why I hate calling these a comparison or a shootout. Not that it's politically incorrect to say that kind of stuff anymore. It was a damn shootout. We took the bikes out and we shot the shit out of them. Yeah. And, and they, in, in reality, it's our job isn't to pick a winner. I mean, cause who cares what Jimmy likes? It really doesn't matter. It's like, let's do our best to kind of describe them. You know, it, it's like, like, let's say that, Hey, you know, this one has smooth power. This one's a little, you know, snappy, bro. This one felt light. this one felt heavy. The things that people want to, and I know everybody wants to know which one went the fastest. Like, we didn't take it out of the dryer lake bed and I didn't pull my phone out while I'm going 106 <laughs> miles an hour and video it or whatever. But it's, the, the idea here is to kind of give people a feel for the bike. So if you have questions about does this bike feel like this or feel like that, like collectively we can answer that. And that's the, that's the goal in our videos. Each one of us shot an individual video where we talk about what we liked and didn't like in this after the first day. And I, I did that. And the next day my order kind of like what I, it wasn't that far off. It just yeah. kind of went the other direction. So um, I, 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 it would have been awesome to have all you guys out uh, riding them, but, um, I took over. <laughs> so, be a fine job. Maybe, maybe next time. So, uh, Hey, thanks. Thanks for joining in. Um, and, uh, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back out pretty soon and, uh, feel free to chime in tomorrow or next Tuesday or some other Tuesday when we make this thing go live and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So, Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for having us out. That was a fun day. Awesome. Yep. Fun. So everybody, like I say, for everybody watching this, uh, we are, this is our first hour of the episode. The second hour, we're going to be doing it live. We'll take your questions. We will answer all kinds of questions. Maybe do a rooster endo. I don't know. We probably will have less technical difficulties, <laughs> but that's the way it works. So with that, everybody, we are going to see you after this commercial break. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto Co. branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. 
We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and knows meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. I think we should have sound. Uh, don't worry. I might not be a professional, but we can see if I come back. Look at that. <laughs> oh, electric, you call it, Dave. <laughs> it's sometimes it's good to just feel the power, <laughs> not hear the power. Uh, there's no power here. So let me reiterate what I just said. Um, I'm the worst uh, podcast host known to man. I was going to say I could thought I could do this all by myself, but obviously that isn't the case. Running solo here from Pahrump, Nevada. Had a crazy uh, weekend, uh, really whole week. I did a lot of bike testing. I actually did some racing incidents. Um, rode all the 450s, raced all the 450s, and uh, had a really good time. Uh, had a great group of guys. So this was our sort of, we're doing a 450 off-road comparison. Um, some, basically, it's the... Honda CR450 RX, KX450X, Gas Gas 450EX, and then also the Yamaha YZ450FX. And by the way, the show is brought to you by none other than Yamaha. So, of course, you should expect that we are going to pick the Yamaha to win because we're just shills for our sponsors. But that doesn't get us... You know, get in the way of us um, telling you how these bikes actually work. Now, if you watch the first hour of the show, what you'll notice is that all four of the guys that rode the bike, actually five, including Trevor, but Trevor was out of the age category that we were um, using. We actually wanted to have test riders that talked, that didn't just stare at a phone or try to text us the answers. So we got real live humans that know how to talk and ride motorcycles. And kind of went over some of the stuff um, about the uh, bike. So Mark Daniels is very happy that he's wearing his new Tech Talk Taco Tuesday t-shirt. Thank you, Jimmy and Ricky number two. I think Ricky is uh, down at the Sonora Rally right now in a very good position for the uh, upcoming two days. Uh, they're battling it out down there in Mexico. And I'm stoked that Ricky's uh, back racing and uh, having a good time. So the... The purpose of like this show is just to show us show. We kind of tried to bring the shoot out to the show, the bike comparison. So that if you're interested in these bikes or any bikes, and as a matter of fact, let us know and we can try to, you know, help you. And when we do these comparisons, our goal is not to pick a winner. Our goal is to describe the bikes to you. And so if you listen, if you're interested in buying these bikes, if you want to take that hour, and listen to it, I think you get a really good feel for how the bikes sort of work. And if you need it broken down or done in a sentence or two, or with me, it's 20 sentences, I can help you with that right now. I'm trying to get Trevor to call in, but I think it's past his bedtime. And uh, Matt just texted me back and he says, it does it automatically. Good job, Matt. You've just made your job less valuable. 
He he texted me all the answers. He actually wrote me an instruction sheet. This is a this is a sign of a good little helper. He told me everything he does, and uh, now maybe I can let him. Um, yeah, I can kick him out, like all the other kids used to come around here. Oh, and there's Trevor Hunter. What do you know? See, so you talk about him, and they call in. Welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, Trevor. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? I thought you were going to say tired because it's past your bedtime. Uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. So, uh, Troy Hicks has a question for us. I didn't even read it yet, but I'm going to read it live. Now, here's my question. If four pro-level riders can go ride these bikes, be happy with them, and say very little money needs to be spent on being competitive, why do 57-year-old trail riders on a 500 need to spend thousands of dollars just to make the bike tolerable? Well, that's a really good question because I only knew of one pro-level rider on those bikes, Trevor. Mm. And um, the rest of us were guys with thousands of dollars in our pockets. <laughs> uh, I'm not 57. Gordon Ward was 57. And that guy was riding a completely stock 23YZ450F. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he 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 basically used like I like to say Gordon's legend. He pretty much, I, and I used to race with. I used to beat him all the time, but he pretty much wiped his ass with me. <laughs> but I was in his head. <laughs> so um, that's a Troy. That's actually a really good a really good question. And and honestly, there's there's three things, and you'd probably agree with me this on this Trevor a little bit is that. Is that yeah? These these guys at this age have have money, and you want to customize or personalize your bike, and that's good. That's why there's the aftermarkets. That's why we have cer certain sponsors. They can help you make your bike what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel that a lot of riders don't give the stock bikes a chance because maybe they get onto YouTube and they find every other show but ours, and they tell them they need to modify them. Oh, you have to put this on. You have to put that on. Um. And they never really, and there's nothing wrong with putting this and that on it, but do it for a reason. Yeah. And, and our, our riders, I guess were, I would say higher level than, than normal. I mean, I don't think any of our guys were novices for sure, but, no. but they, they were good articulate test riders that, I mean, even though they weren't really test riders, they, they, they've all tuned and worked on their bikes and they, they were they they know what they like, and that's why I like these guys because they knew what they liked. They weren't afraid to try something. And then, as you heard in the thing, they were pretty surprised by what the standard bikes would do without even messing with them, just being set up properly, you know, to start with. And I I was kind of blown away that that we didn't have somebody that said, "Oh, that bike." You know, we always we always have something somebody say, Oh, that bike sucks, or you know, this one's junk, or this one's so much better than all the others, and it wasn't that way at all. Yeah, well it's funny because like <clears throat> um you know, at the end of last year or whatever, when I first picked up that Honda, that four fifty RX, uh the second day we went out riding, Brent was there and we had that and the 450X and his personal bikes and all these different bikes. And so we were all kind of jumping back and forth. And Brent in particular really couldn't get off that Honda fast enough. <laughs> it was not 
it was not gelling with him with any of us really that day. Um, it was just yeah, just not didn't really uh, suit anyone's kind of needs or wants in a bike. And then flash forward to this last weekend, and I think it was his first or second pick. Yeah, I on the first day on after we did the trail riding and then the motocross, it was my favorite. Um, yeah. it was just, it was, it was just this little bit above everything else. And so there's a, you know, there's something to that, but when, you, you know, remember when you brought the X and the RX out here and we went riding and you know, the way I am, I, I spend more time on the bikes I don't like yep. because I want to try to figure out what, what I can do to, to make it better. Um, I was complaining about that bike quite a bit too. And that was more of a kind of trail riding scenario. Yep. And it was a pretty good, um, you know, it was a pretty good ride. And then at the end, I, I had a I had a list of things that I wanted to change and then roll forward to Glen Hill. We didn't change anything. We just kind of left it. Yep. <laughs> and then it was the best bike again. So yep. they're, they're all really, really good. And, and I know people get he- sick and tired of hearing that, but the problem is these manufacturers it's a good problem for you. They listen to, you know, people that know what they're talking about and they, they make them better. So if one bike has a characteristic that stands out, they chase it a little bit and they try to make theirs a little bit more like that, like that one without losing some of the characteristics that make a Honda Honda or a Kawasaki, a Kawasaki. And all these bikes have a quote characteristic for sure. Yeah. So um, let's see. Bike Mojo says me and my six year old son just started riding a few months ago and he outgrew his KLX 140L. He just moved to a 2018 KX. No, I'm sorry. 2018 XCW 150. We rock Colorado single track, steep, rocky terrain. Any transitions from trends, any tips for transitioning to a two stroke? Uh, is this for me? Um, I, well, you went the other way. You went from two stroke to four stroke. I've, I've I've gone back to two strokes from four strokes. I've switched so many times. I don't even know what I am anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that, uh, that's off the subject, but there's no wrong, no problem with derailing this show. Um, I think that the problem is, is you've gone from something that goes chug, chug, chug to something that needs to go ring and rev. And did he say what two stroke in particular? Yeah, uh, KTM uh, XCW 150. Like TPI or? 2018 is still carbureted, so probably not as smooth as TPI. And his 140L went, you know, chug, 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 chug. And yeah, and yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a, that's a, that's a big step, really. Um, And, I think the biggest thing you can do is just teach the kid to trust the torque, figure out, learn where the torque is on the motorcycle, like yeah. have him go out in a flat field and, and learn how to let the clutch out. I would, I want to say as, as soon as possible, but by as soon as possible, I mean, get the clutch out at the lowest RPM possible and learn how to modulate the throttle and not touch the clutch. So trust the torque of the motorcycle, even on a 150, and figure out where it stalls and where it doesn't. So he's not just hammering the clutch and causing a lot of problems because of that. And, and then, and then, I mean, 
really a riding school would help this kid more than anything. A good quality riding school that focuses on balance and traction. I know a guy who does one of those. Uh, my name is my name is Jimmy Lewis. I um <laughs> I run a riding school. Uh, but it's the the tra- and it really depends on you know how how big your sixteen year old son is, like what his weight is and how tall he is to to some other stuff. But um, in in grand scheme of things, uh, that's a tough transition to make because most kids come from the the eighty five two strokes and go up to a one. Most of them go to a two fifty four stroke and then they're ruined. Because yeah. all of a sudden they have torque and power for a long time. Yeah. So Tim Skelly mentioned dual sport bikes are all choked up. So there's a couple grand needed to make it rideable. Ooh, I'm going to argue with you on this, Tim. ECU tires and a muffler is 1500 bucks. Yes. Uh, so the dual sport bikes are, yeah, you need tires. Most of them. So I don't think you need tires. these. You need the, 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 the riders, of the dual sport bikes need to do the exact same damn thing. Ride your bike the way it is and figure out what you want. And if you want really super snappy power, like right off of idle, yeah, do an ECU and all this other stuff like that. But if you, if you learn how to ride them, like a lot of times it's just, I would go tires and start worrying about some other stuff before I start jumping into motor mods. Um, some of the bikes you can easily kind of uncork them a little bit without having to go deep into detail. But um, just like these bikes, I the on the second day I changed ECU settings on the Yamaha. It went from my least favorite to my favorite. Mm-hmm. I changed the the ECU setting with a clip, a, a, a different um, power clip. They call it. what do they call those things on the Kawasaki? Oh, coupler i changed the coupler on the kawasaki i took it from the mellow setting to the most aggressive setting to make it smoother and that bike just it, both bikes it didn't make them just like aggressive it made the suspension work better because now my wrist was more connected to what the bike was doing and i just felt more comfortable and made less mistakes and and so um yeah, that's uh that's the that's it's it's funny how that little stuff can make a big big difference, but do small steps. You know, don't just don't dive dive straight in and and do all this crazy stuff and yeah, maybe for I'm sure for most actually even me probably I think going up a spring rate, especially on the forks like you guys all started talking about. But here's the thing, I come from riding like enduro bikes, the EXCs and the stuff like that, the XCWs and and you know, play around. I, I ride mini bikes. I play around in mini bikes. I'm riding softer suspended bikes. So I, the, the forks felt stiff to me and, and I was sitting in the middle or, you know, I wasn't sitting as far forward as I should have been on the bikes on the first day. And so the forks felt harsh and the bikes wouldn't turn properly. And then I taught myself or, you know, just kind of realized, started sitting farther forward. And the next day, everything was brilliant. So it, so, so it can be your riding position, you know, something that you change that can make your bike work a lot better if you learn it a little bit. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Troy Hicks. So continuing, do you think that most riders would be fine on a stock bike is very capable for Joe Sixpack? <laughs> I think we've answered that, right? I think so. I'm Joe Sixpack. <laughs> At the very least, spend... 
you know, five, 10 hours, engine hours on your bike, just riding it completely sock, maybe do some handlebars or some grips if you know, you're particular, but you know what you want with that. But as far as suspension wise and motor wise, all that stuff, like, yeah, these bikes are so good. Soft. Um, there's no reason to not spend some time figuring out what you, what you like about it and what you don't like about it. And then when you do go in and do suspension or whatever, you can have an idea of what you want done um, to make it better for you. Not just guessing in the wind and saying you want it better because you don't know what's better or worse. Yeah, for sure. I, and that, that's, that's super sage advice. You know, get the, get the bike, make the bike super comfortable for you. You, you yeah. know, like, like, like just, you know, I'm really, and you, you know, this, I'm really picky about the diameter of my grips. They need to be small. I want my levers really close to the handlebars. And if that's not the case, I don't really feel comfortable. So I can't ride the bike properly. And there's the people like, well, I like, is that really big? Yeah. For me, it's a really big deal. I, you know, I want to, cause this is how I'm hanging on to it. When I ride a, like when I ride an adventure bike that has smaller stock pegs and I do what I normally do, which is move my feet out to get leverage on the pegs. Then it's like, I, I start missing the foot peg and it's like, Oh, yeah. cause that's what I'm used to. But those are important things to me because I know how effective it is. So uh, Mike McElroy says the EXCF 500 is 39 horsepower stock and the ECU is locked. So it's a far cry from the motorbikes, but can you get 56 horsepower with an ECU and exhaust? Yeah. Yes, Mike, you can probably get 65 horsepower with an ECU and exhaust, but I want to ask you how much horsepower can your rear tire handle? And, and so if you take your, KTM 500 EXCF right now in 39 horsepower and you take it and you grab the throttle and you turn it wide open in most gears. Can you do this <laughs> yeah. and, and let it rev. Don't, don't, don't back off when the wheel starts coming up, let it rev. And then, then we can start talking about like, okay, is, yeah, I agree with you, but it's, it's, it's power character. And the, the problem I have with a lot of the ECUs, that are that are accessory ones they're tuned to give you 56 horsepower and they're going to give it to you like a kick in the ass <laughs> um by the way i'd like to uh deliver a message from one of our sponsors yamaha yamaha is an awesome power tuner app that i got super familiar with the new version of the power tuner app this weekend man what a tool it's like getting i tell people all the time it's like getting 16 cams 27 different pipes uh, three different throttle bodies and uh, like five air filters in 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 your lap in your your palm of your hand inside of your phone, and you can mix and match all those different things without ever getting your fingers greasy, just by touching some digits. Or you can email Jimmy or Trevor at Dirt Bike Test, and we can send you our Jimmy Smooth Map for most of your bikes. I think, and you might like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mike, um, kind of depends on what you're looking for. <laughs> it's not, it's not, I don't know very many people. And, and I was going to last, last night when Brett kind of came on and said, uh, he felt that the, the Yamaha was the most powerful one. I was going to accuse him of not holding the throttle wide open all the way. <laughs> cause, cause the Yamaha is the most peppy one and the most aggressive one. 
And it it feels, you know, like I said, in certain ways, it feels like the most powerful one. That's why I kind of went on to the Honda feels like the most powerful one, because I was for sure wide open and for sure at peak RPM when I was deciding which one was the most powerful. And the Honda just seemed like it was, you know, taking the loads the best and moving the fastest. And and I, I mean, maybe a dyno, uh, some of these guys actually do, um, you know, put these bikes on a dyno where you can see this, but we don't ride dynos and my butt is the best, uh, the best dirt dyno I know of. So Eduardo Rojas says, hi friends from Sonora, Sonora, Sonora rally, a great event. Uh, yeah. Uh, get Ricky to call in, <laughs> go find He's probably in bed too. He's like Trevor, he's racer kids. <laughs> so Anyhow, uh, okay. Uh, was there anything anything else after? Did you did you watch that first segment, Trevor? Or did you take a nap? Uh, I just got off from a mountain bike ride not too long ago and was eating dinner, so I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Right. I'm drinking my dinner, and uh, I was kind of curious if there was anything that kind of came back to you, or after remembering what we were saying, if if there was anything else you'd want to talk to about those bikes. Uh. I will say, like, you know, racing all those bikes, um, kind of in that last race of the day, and just going one lap on each bike and getting right back onto a new bike, you kind of, you could feel right away, you know, what's different about each bike. And I thought it was kind of crazy, which, like, the Gas Gas, Kawasaki, and Yamaha chassis, all in a way kind of blended together a little bit whereas the honda was like a complete a stark difference in kind of how how much feel you had was it so uh, you're saying it was was it it was stiffer correct yes the honda felt very much stiffer and just very like you know connected to the ground in a sense whereas all the other bikes you didn't get quite as much feedback and not to say that one was better or worse it was just crazy how how much different that Honda felt compared to the other three bikes. Yeah, I think, I think and there's a certain sense where the Honda did stand out in a little bit different ways. And, and we, we have not on that particular bike, we haven't really adjusted the torques of the, of the head stays or the swing arm pivot, like we did on the yeah. X. And so yeah, I know, yeah. I know you can take, and, and so some of that for me is that it's, it's, I'll call it a sharpness. It's like when the bike hits a bump, um, you know, it, it, it you kind of, you, you're going to, you're going to know in your wrists, you know, kind of through the handlebars or in your feet or ankles that you've kind of, you know, hit something kind of, kind of hard, but at, at the same time, like the way I like to say it is the Honda, when, when you're in a turn and it, and it starts doing something, you, you think I want to go here or there. And the Honda goes there. Yes. Where, where the other bikes like you have to work at it a little bit and and it's like almost a little bit, I would call it a more precise handling, which for some people is really good and other people is horrible. Yeah. And I, I like that, but we were at this balance between where I, I want, I want a little bit more comfort and knowing from testing stuff in the past that, you know, adjusting some of the torques and there's some engine mounts that you can do that are a little bit different. There's, there's, you know, there's excess accessory ones where you can drill holes in them. We actually have stuff on our website that we, you know, talk about some of these different things you can do. And 
And I don't know that that a lot of people would like just outright feel it. And I don't know that it necessarily makes the bike work better. And here's the thing is these bikes have gotten so good. You know, somebody could say, hey, you need to do this to your bike. And it may change something, but does it actually work better? <laughs> and and it's really easy to make them work worse. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying all the manufacturers are just making perfect motorcycles. <laughs> they make the motorcycle for the most amount of people. And we put a, a relatively diverse group of guys on it. And you guys are going to, you, you are going to take it and grab some younger guys that text yep. and look into their phones all the time. Yep. And they, they, they say, you know, and, uh, a lot, and they're going to do a test and then yep. we're going to have, a, we're going to have a, like a four minute video of them going, uh, uh, what, huh? Yeah. But they'll look yeah. really cool. They have nice flowing hair and yep. stuff. I'm picking on uh, Tyler right now, by the way. <laughs> that sounds about accurate. He'll have really good gear wearing like size 28 pants, all tight, like the like the top racers. Yeah. He has no idea who the hell I am. I think I would have beat him this weekend like three times. Oh. <laughs> if only he was there. Yeah. He should listen to the show. We had him call in once. <laughs> Time. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, yeah, we're going to get, we're going to get some younger guys on these bikes and then, you know, kind of then do a kind of an overall wrap up of everything. And as well, we will start modifying them and we don't know whether we're going to kind of give one to each different guy and say, Hey, make this into your dream bike sort of thing. Or we're going to kind of collectively say, we want to fix this on this, or we want to address this, or can we make this thing better on this? But and, and I said at the end of that little segment in the first hour, I kind of talked about what I would do to all the bikes, no matter what, you know, mm -hmm. my handlebars, steering stabilizer, you know, Scott steering stabilizer, love those things. I would, and, and I, I was pretty happy with how the Dunlop tires worked at Glen Helen. And, and I, I'm kind of a critic of the, of the Dunlops all the time. And it's, it's not, it's not anything Dunlop's doing wrong. They make a really good tire for everybody else, but me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not turn at a Dunlop turn angle. And and I've, I've said this since a long time ago, I've always turned a little bit different angle. So, and I know that, that the Honda, I think I can fix with my tires. I really think that that, that, that just that, that little bit of what my, the tires I like running, which generally are Kendas actually yeah. always are Kendas. I can put some Kendas on there and that will give the little bit of comfort. And then I, I think that bike could just, shine at that point and i don't i don't think that any of the bikes would hurt for me going to my usual tire setup as well and, and then that's comes down to comfort and what you're used to and how you work and people like i said there's lots of things you can try tires are really easy and they make a huge huge difference because it's the only thing connecting you to the ground yeah no it's like like the the honda the fourth rx that you kind of Myself and Brent and the people that rode it the first day or two, we hated it. And the the one thing we changed is I put a MX thirty three front tire instead of an AT eighty one, and it completely transformed the bike. And it sounds kind of crazy. And well, stupid, that's that's going the direction. That's going the direction I wanted to go. That's going yeah. from that that kind of a little more hard, stiff tire. You know, they, they, the AT eighty one has the flat prevention and and lots of durability. Yep to to something that's a little less durable, a little more traction, a little softer. 
And I want to go, I want to go one step more on that particular bike for sure. That, that would be of all the, of all the bikes. That's the first one I would say I want to do tires on. And, 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 and yeah, I said Kenda cause Kenda does help me out with my schools and that's what I'm familiar with. And that's what I like. And especially for Western conditions, the Parker, uh, DTs front and rear are insane for me, but Michelin has some really good tires. Pirelli has some really good tires. They do that. I don't have a ton of experience with the Bridgestones, but my past experience is that those tend to be even a little bit more. So something as simple as that can just take a bike and, and really change it. And so I don't, I don't want to say that on Sunday, my, the Honda was the least favorite, but, uh, yeah, it might've been, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Which is the biggest thing is it changed from one day to the next, just on slightly different track conditions and terrain and stuff. Yeah. And so, being able to change a few minor things with the Yamaha and the Kawasaki and, and Gas Gas. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the what the kids come up with besides a bunch of uh, uhs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Troy Hicks wants to know, would you talk about suspension testing and how Joe Six Pack might accomplish that? Um. I think the biggest thing, and you could probably agree, Jimmy, is finding someone that would be willing to work with you, I think is really big. Um, I know from just working with Todd at TCS, uh, the last like couple summers, really, we've kind of spent, you know, every week, every other week at Glen Helen, and we'll kind of start the very basics, go all the stock clickers, stock, stock everything, set sag, and then kind of just make small improvements, we'll do We'll go to fork springs or shock spring, and then before we do any valving, kind of see if that helps. If you know if that's what's holding us back, or if it truly is a valving that's holding us back. Um, and we kind of just make small steps from there instead of doing just one big step, and you kind of can get lost in what actually helped and what didn't help. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And and so so springs are huge making sure you're properly sprung is is paramount and we had a question earlier in the in the show when we were uh, live somebody was asking like rear suspension uh spring rate and stuff is easy to you know easy to, to figure out but how do you do the front and and that's this is where like you just said like if you have somebody to watch you it's huge because you may be a guy that rides over the back of the bike, or you may be like Brent, who's you know six seven or whatever. Yeah, you know, and 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 if he goes, if he leans forward on the bike, you know, it changes where you know where all the suspension is taking load. You know, big guys like a big pendulum. Some small guys don't move around much, and so yep. so I was. I mean, in the old days when they kind of checked the balance of the bike when they changed the springs, a lot of times the the guys that knew what they were doing they would actually hold on the brake and then push on the foot peg and the bike needed to be kind of balanced at that point you know they wanted to kind of go up and down when the weight was being applied to the foot peg pretty evenly at least for you know you know setting the sag and knowing the knowing the um settings but i've always found that for every and I, I i'm drawing a little bit of a blank here right now but i think it was for every Two rates you go up in the rear, you need to go up one in the front, I think is how, you know, when you start, you know, initially chasing it. So if you, 
if you go up and, you know, sometimes, you know, you can kind of mix that around a little bit, but you should kind of go up evenly. But for sure, if you start having it, because a lot of guys ride over the back and so they tend to, you know, get a, get a stiffer back spring. And so if you go up two rates, whatever two, two rates is in the back, you at least need to go up one in the front. And, um, and there's a lot of times the manuals have really good information on this, you know, recommended for, for your weights and stuff. So they can kind of give you a, a, a spring rate recommendation. I know there's some companies that sell springs, um, you know, race tech, for instance, that has a spring rate calculator on their website that can yeah. help you out. And they're pretty good. I mean, I've, I've kind of just arbitrarily threw some stuff at them to see if it was, you know, I came up with something and I'm, and I went, I wonder if that's that good. And I've typed it into some different things and they came up with what I had. So, um, but that, but so spring rate is, is huge. So you need to get that set right from the beginning. And then, and then I would ride it and try to get your clickers as as good as you can with the just stock clickers. And so so if you if you feel better and you keep going and you almost max it out, and there's a point where they kind of stop working. But you know, if you if you keep going a direction, at least that way you'll have a have some information to give your suspension guy, because not everybody can get a suspension guy to come out and watch them. Yeah. Yep. But when when you talk about the guy watching you, you know, he's looking for balance of the motorcycle. He's wanting to make sure that the wheels are moving the way they should and that the bike isn't getting thrown in, in awkward, you know, pitching or rolling. Um, but, you know, if you have the right springs, generally this kind of doesn't happen. But if you start chasing something like with, with clickers, you know, whether it's adding compression or rebound or, you know, however it is, you, you know, when you finally say, okay, now I want to get this fixed. If you kind of keep track of what you're doing with your clickers, you know, hey, I'm in like a lot of compression clicks on the front fork. Well, then we need stiffer compression valving on your front fork. It makes it a lot easier to start. And a lot of times when I would send suspension into my tuner, I always send it in with the clicks the way they were. And he would go, hey, how come your, how come your rebound in the rear is like, you know, five clicks in? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I wrote, I, it has too many hours on it, you know, and the, the oil started wearing out and I started clicking it in as the oil wore out. Or I would say, yeah, it was kind of kicking a little bit. I have a bike right now that he kind of threw a, a different setting in. And this is, I'm talking about George at ESP, whose guys I've worked with for years and, and he, he knows me, but this one bike, I, I, I rode it and I ended up going in like seven or eight clicks on the rear on the, I think it was the rebound. I know it because I made the bike work. And so next time when it goes in for service, he'll notice that and he'll go, oh, I need to bump up the rebound. He'll send, he'll get that back into yeah. the middle. So I think for, and and if, if Joe six pack doesn't know how to test suspension, you know, get your bike balanced, number one. And then if you can't feel it or you're not sure you feel it, try big changes, go yeah. with five clicks of compression on the front and ride it and then take 10 clicks back out and ride it and go, hmm. I like this or that, or you can feel, you know, make some changes that you can feel because most guys don't feel one or two clicks. And, and a lot of times, you know, the, the setting, the, the clickers don't exactly, you know, a lot of times your front end problem is caused by a rear end setting, you know, or vice versa. The front end's doing something. So it, and that's what I noticed with the gas gas because we added air to the gas gas fork. Yep. Didn't change anything else. All of a sudden the rear end started working better because it, Instead of the bike being kind of pitched down and the rear end being a little light, it lifted the rear end up and made the rear end work. 
and uh, pretty, pretty to to a point where I was like, yeah, this bike, all the bikes got so much better on Sunday. <laughs> like just those little, <laughs> yeah. like those little, for me, those little, I know for you, they all got sketchy because you're going too fast, but it's, uh, it was pretty cool. So anyways, um, yeah. Any other questions out in the chat right now? So we're trying to uh, help you out. Uh, no, uh, no, uh, Trevor XT two thirty questions. No. How long can you wheelie that bike for? I can't, I can wheelie a bicycle, but I can't wheelie a motorcycle. So not very long. Do you, do you know why that is? Cause I'm um, the, I'm the opposite. I've never really tried to learn or practice wheeling a motorcycle much. Yep. I get so I just get so frustrated right away. And I just kind of gave up. Um, and I was kind of like that on my bike school at first, but I just kept practicing. And then finally I've kind of found that, that balance point. I just have yet to probably really put time in on the motorcycle. So you're um, saying that practice actually works in some cases. You, you can't just, um, like just watch a, a seven minute YouTube video and then be really good at doing whatever you just watched. Uh, if you watch a Jimmy Lewis off-road YouTube video, then you might be perfect. Uh, we make ours five minutes. So they're really not that valuable. Mm. Isn't that the ideal uh, time? Hey, I'd like to say thanks to again, all of our sponsors, um, Taco Moto. We are not doing um, the uh, rooster endo segment uh, cause Matt's not here. So blame Matt. And I don't know if we're going to double or nothing for next time. <laughs> the suspension can be a whole week long and we'll never get all the answers. You're correct, Mark. <laughs> we will not get it. We will not get all the answers. Uh, bulletproof designs. You know, on all of those bikes, they all could use some bulletproof designs protection. Like front discards? Or? No, 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 no. Just zip that. Trevor, uh, how about radiator guards? How about rear disc protection? I yeah. like the rear disc guards. Yeah. And the swing arm guards. Oh, the ones that protect the chain guides, especially on the KTMs. Those are really nice. Yep. So bulletproof designs. Of course, there's a, there is a Scott Sports. I was wearing Scott goggles because I got roosted a lot. Um, had clear vision, which is awesome. So I wrote, ran, ran with the amplified lenses. You may have heard of those before i wore climb gear that's why i look so good in the photos did you put my photos on my grinder account yet trevor not yet yeah. those. <laughs> so i'm still trying to get my uh only fan set i'm gonna start a tech talk taco tuesday twitter by the way <laughs> i think i think i'm gonna start that one up so that we can use that as a as a conduit also for another avenue to get um, some questions in and uh the next thing that we, um, uh, next, next sponsor, double take mirrors. Trevor needs those for his XT225. 250. 250. That's for when I'm racing, I pass people. Oh, tell everybody about what you're going to do with that bike. Uh, my, my ambition and my goal is I want to do two things. I want to, I want to ride the big bear dual sport ride that 200 mile trail ride right and see if uh you know a relatively stock xt250 can make it or do i need a twenty thousand dollar dual sport like the guy earlier said uh and then 
I also, I also want to race like a national Hearn Hound and see how far up I can finish. Right. This, this little small dual sport bike. Yeah, but but I told I told you what I told you what you have to do. You have to ride it there. Yeah. And then you have to you have to you have to put some soft bags on it and you can go camping afterwards. There we go. Yeah. Or maybe 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 you'll break the thing in half and you'll be camping uh out <laughs> in the desert course. anyways. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, I hope not. No, I don't think so. I think you know, you'd be surprised at at how when you get on a really slow bike how fast you can go because you quit making mistakes because of the power and and having you know those kind of issues and and you you know you have to be careful on it so you ride careful yeah well i rode uh i had the bike out a couple months ago at Glen helen and i had robert bear out there he's a expert level 50 plus racer yep and he was trying out our kx 450 and i jumped on the xt and we were the same speed on Glen Hill and the main track. No Stop way. Stock tires and all. Stock tires and all. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Horn. <laughs> uh, good thing he doesn't listen to this show because he'd probably be trying to get his banned right now for you saying that. We got it all on video, so he, he's okay with it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now that it's been on this show with like, I think we're 1.2 million viewers. Uh, you know, everybody in Australia right now, is is really bummed out on Robert Bear because they thought the KX450 was better than a Yamaha, a sponsor of the show, a XT250. Yep. yep. So awesome. Well, uh, any any parting thoughts? Any last thoughts on this uh, this whole comparison? Oh, we got Brenda's here. We got a question. What do the preload adjusters on the fork on my new KTM do exactly? I think the springs would be pretty close to being right for me. I understand that it takes away or adds preload, but how does that exactly affect the handling of a bike? I'm terrible at suspension stuff. You want to answer? So, I'll 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 ex, I'll explain the technical part, and you explain how how preload pre, preload works. So it's do they have preload adjusters on stuck? the on the six days ones. Yeah, they have uh, a they have a preload adjuster. I I I like it in some ways that it's really easy to kind of just, you know, it has three different positions and you can sort of, it, they click and you can click and add preload adjustment. So between the two of them, you have a lot of different options. You can actually, you know, go two on one and one on the other and, and really fine tune it if you're into that, but it's hard to run the, uh, the fork bleeder, you know, the external fork bleeders. Mm -hmm. Cause it, cause it, you can't have something cause it, it basically spins and preload, you know, it's, it's a big knob. It's a big knob because you're pushing some pressure on that thing to push the fork down. But uh, explain to her a little bit what fork preload does. Uh, kind of changes just where, where the fork rides at in the stroke a little bit. Um, and it actually does make quite a big difference. Um, even like, you know, one or two millimeters is pretty noticeable on, on the track or trail or whatever. Um, it's really actually really useful for uh, for fine tuning, and for most forks, you have to pull the forks apart to kind of change the preload. But if it has the external adjusters, that makes it really convenient and easy to try as well. Yeah. So, Brent, I would I would play with it, and and yeah. to to start with, you know, you're probably they probably come in. I, I think it says zero. It it says zero in the middle, and it's minus three, and then plus three. And so I would go to minus three, ride it, click it all the way to plus three. 
and then ride it and just see if you notice what it does. And so it's essentially just kind of, it's just like your shock preload. It's controlling the ride height, you know, kind of where the bike likes to sit and, you know, make sure your rear is sag set properly at zero on the fork preload. So it makes the most amount of difference and then, and then play with it, you know, try to see what it does because some people like a front end that's higher. So the steering is maybe less precise and the bike acts a little bit more stable or some people like it where it's me. Um, I like it. I like it when it's actually, and you saw this and I fig- I, I'm kind of learning that I'm actually being lazy. I don't mind a kind of a soft, less preloaded front end sometimes because I'll, that way I don't have to sit so far forward on the bike to get the front end turn. I can sit down in the, in the middle and then the front end still goes down a little bit. So it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool feature, but I think once you settle on your, your position, you, you'll kind of like leave it there all the time uh, yeah. on, on some bikes. Like I switch tanks between some bikes and on the bikes that have the preload adjusters. When I go from my three gallon tank to my five gallon tank, I just crank it up. I give yeah. it, and, and there I go from negative three to plus three. So yeah. a six millimeter change in it. And sometimes if I'm really being a whiny, complainy bitch, I'll, when the tank gets low, I'll click it back down to zero. So there you have it. And yeah, yeah. Mark, you can't it's- run the fork bleeding system with the preloader dusters. This is correct. This is what I just complained about. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I think we're going to, we're going to start wrapping up this show. I, I managed to push all the buttons and make the show work. And I only went mute for like 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute. That's pretty good, huh, Trevor? I'm impressed. Yeah. He's come Matt, a long way. Matt can go camping. I started this by myself without any technical assistance. And now I need like two people in here to make this thing work. And so somehow it worked out. But I appreciate everybody joining in. Um adding to the chat, adding to the thing. If you're watching this on the computer somehow at a, at a time far, far away from now, go ahead and like, subscribe, do all that stuff like that. If you put stuff in the questions, you guys really skipping my questions again, Asher Lido. Um, I think you asked it during the, 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 pre-recorded version of the show the the beginning part so if you ask it within the next 30 seconds i promise you i'll answer it because that's what we're here for but we're not picking on you personally that i know of if i had somebody else here i'd blame them but it's all me today so yeah uh rocky mountain atv mc uh click through our links amazon when you're buying your new uh large massage chair I think you're, everybody's supposed to buy one of those tomorrow and they're going to click through and we get a small chunk of that. It helps, uh, like I said earlier in the show, give Matt and Trevor the two nickels and I get the rest of the 90 cents. It's all good. we got some big things coming for Dirt Bike Test uh, on the horizon. I got some awesome guests that I want to get in here or now we're starting to learn how to take this show a little bit more mobile as I learn how to push the buttons and Asher... I'm waiting for your, I'm waiting for that question. I can't scroll, can't scroll back on the chatty thing because I don't have that control right now, but holding the show just for you, it either stalls or rolls when setting up to a rock or a log. Okay. So it, that's kind of ambiguous. That's what I like to call um, 
I'm not going to talk about that because it's politically incorrect. <laughs> it, it, what is it? And there's, we have to wait for the delay to come back in. It either stalls or rolls when setting up to a log or a rock. I wish I had the, the, the sound from like one of those shows that goes ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. You know, when you're getting your time in the, the Jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Uh, the teal night, Mark, is uh, Ragosa. I'm going to go get more of this. And by the way, next week's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday may come as a live show or uh, from the finish line of the Nora Mexican 1000. I might go live or it may, we may just skip it depending on how my connections are and stuff but you might get an interesting live show in uh in place of all of this uh excellent information so we're waiting to see what it is it either stalls or will you know you can put up in the chat what you think it is and i'm gonna go what was that i'll say let's let's take a guess at what you think it is it i was that's what i was gonna say and the clutch doesn't fully disengage that whatever it is. So I'm going to go KTM 500 EXC. I'm just guessing. And he put an ECU and uh, a recluse in it. I'm thinking, I don't know who knows what he put. The clutch doesn't fully disengage. That doesn't really seem like a KTM thing unless he smoked the clutch. And then no matter what clutch you smoke. And a lot of times the plates get warped. That's why clutches clutches don't fully disengage because the plates are no longer perfectly round and smooth. They look like waves. And uh, still with Trace Generations is a mark. Oh, Brenda's guessing it's a Husaberg. That's really mean. Hold on, Brenda. Thank you very much. I almost (laughs) forgot to mention it on the show. Hey, Trevor sent me a video of me ripping the Husaberg 650 at Glen Helen. I think that was the fastest bike you, you rode all day. Um, the most you rode a bike all day. It could be. I was just trying to show off most, uh, most, uh, excessive horsepower. Dude, did you see the tire, the rear tire in that thing? It, um, it, it chunked off. It chunked off three knobs in a row, just tore them out on, and not the center ones, the ones on the side. Well, it is a Swedish trench machine. Swedish so. trench says so right on the thing. <laughs> Living up to its name. Uh, let's see. Uh, Taco uh, Tour says, I'll take clutch springs for 500, Alec. Oh, my name's Jimmy, by the way. But yeah, clutch springs <laughs> clutch springs for 500. Is that 500 cc's or is that 500 bucks? That's what we need to know there. <laughs> yeah, this is when the show starts to really good. Open the YouTube chat on your phone. Uh, <laughs> do you know how many devices I have running right here? Your chat <laughs> system doesn't work. No, my chat system works fine. I'm seeing them pop up at the delay that my restream chat pops them up, but I have no way to modulate it up and down. And the screen in front of my right here is controlling all of the audio levels and things like this. I should give you a tour of the show. I'll do that on my next Instagram post when I start the show. So why don't you go over to Instagram instead of YouTube and then watch us and then tweet us on how it works. <laughs> and Mark says he'll take those clutch plates and service them on a service plate or a glass plate. 
No, just buy new ones. Go to Rocky Mountain ATV MC, click on the dirt bike test, uh, you know, go through dirt bike test, go there, get some new ones, put them in there and don't worry about it and quit slipping your clutch. Come take a Jimmy Lewis off-road riding school. I can't wait to find out what it is anymore because this show is about, wait, where's the video of you riding the Hoosaberg at Glen Helen? I'll put it on the dirt bike test Instagrams. I say, okay, Taco Tour is here. I say, don't stop the show, Jimmy. Just start getting shit-faced drunk, and we will tell you when to stop. No, it's I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I enjoy tasting my tequila, and I don't want to go overboard. I got to get up early and work tomorrow. Some of us have to have real jobs around here. <laughs> yeah, like I have to pet my cat, okay? That's what I really have to do. <laughs> That's a big one. So. I, it's way past Trevor's bedtime. I'm going to let him go. Hey, Trevor, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for doing a good job getting those great guys to come and ride their ride our bikes. And uh, you uh, stay safe out there. Don't don't I'll ride. They're, they're 450s and they're really fast. I don't want them to be sketchy. Get them, get them modified for your needs. <laughs> so, okay, Trevor, we'll talk to you soon. And then I'm going to hang up on the rest of the show as quickly as you. All right. I'll uh, see you guys next time. Okay. So that was Trevor Hunter. He's uh, like nine tenths of dirt bike test right now. And uh, since uh, Asher can't get me the what it is, he's going to have to put this on the next show. If we're live, I'll answer it right away or at least close to live right away, close to whatever it is. So everybody, thanks for joining in. Hey, David, one of these days I'm going to beat you to Kawia, by the way. I'm going to beat you to Quia and I'm going to rip those first laps and then, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> so right on. Uh, thanks for calling me cupcakes, Mark Daniels. That uh, has a special place in my heart. <laughs> and uh, with that, we'll see you out on the trail. Cheers. <laughs>